Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Pastor Eric Jay from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this program. And it is a privilege to come to you over the airways and share with you the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who brings us the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God through his own life, death, and resurrection, and the word that he has given us through which we know him and praise him and which we have faith in him. Joined in studio, as always, by my friends Chip Thompson, Jason Eisenman. I hope you guys are having as good of a Sunday as I am. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's amazing, and it's fall. The colors are beautiful this time of the year. Well, I'm having a great time because uh, I can't think of something I've been more excited about in a long time. As as regular listeners would know, we started our own school mm-hmm. here at St. Mark Lutheran Church this past fall. And today, for the first time... Our students are coming to church and are singing in church. That's going to be awesome. And they are thrilled. I am thrilled. And uh, depending upon uh, what station you're listening to and what time it is during the day, uh, you can go to our our website, stmarkomaha.org, find our live stream, and uh, you are certainly going to appreciate hearing these little ones sing about uh, the love of Jesus. The song that they're most excited about is What a Friend we have in Jesus, cool. an, an old hymn. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I found this video, and it's set to a bluegrass tune. Oh, wow. That's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just a, a great time. We're also singing a couple of other songs, but it's been just a joy to see uh, the simple faith that children have uh, in the Lord uh, because they don't have all the, the baggage and the garbage that we have as adults who think they know so much. Uh, which is why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven belongs to these little children because they have such an easier time trusting yes, they uh, do. than we do. And I thought that played really well into uh, our next topic in the people of the book that we're doing, looking at the Apostle Paul. And uh, that's really what he learned uh, being a former Pharisee is just it's trust in Jesus who is our friend who's come to us and we don't have to follow 613 laws in order to make him our friend but he has mercifully come to us called us to repentance and promised us salvation if we would but believe in him that's what we're doing today and we're going to pick up if you want to open your bibles we're going to start in uh, the book of philippians written by the apostle paul to the church in philippi in chapter 3 Where we will learn a little bit about Paul's heart and then kind of backtrack a little bit and figure out what caused Paul to write these things, uh, looking at his history when he was Saul before he came Paul and how that all kind of relates to our transformation as disciples ourselves who follow Jesus. Before that, Chip, why don't you pray for us? Okay. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your righteousness, the righteousness that uh, you have communicated and given to us freely uh, through your Son, Jesus. Thank you for uh, being with us when we open up your book and hear about uh, the marvelous things that he does, uh, as well as the things that those who you've called, uh, in particular uh, the Apostle Paul this morning, and echo his words when he says, I indeed count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So Philippians chapter 3, Chip, you just touched on that in your prayer. We're going to be looking at uh, verse 4. And uh, just a a little detailed note, if you're a student of the scriptures and read any type of commentaries or theological documents, um, I was going to say we're starting in verse 4b. And uh, when we make those comments, uh, we mean A and B is kind of dividing the first half and the second half of the verse. So we're starting in verse 4b, the second part of verse 4 in Philippians 3, where Paul says, the Apostle Paul, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. (laughs) Pretty bold. (laughs) That's Right out of the gate. There you go. <laughs> and, and what do they mean by the flesh? Good, yeah. It means if anyone thinks they have a reason to boast in what they have done, uh, according to our humanity, according to our effort, our righteousness, being a morally good person, even being a, a good God-fearing person, knowing the scriptures, studying them, having all the quote-unquote right answers, Paul's saying, if any of you think that you have a reason to boast— in what you've done for the Lord, I have more of a reason. And then he goes on in verse 5 to explain why he says that. I was circumcised on the eighth day, which of course is the Mosaic law, of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a critical tribe related to uh, the coming of the Messiah and the promises of God given to Israel. Not only was I from the tribe of Benjamin, but he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. So it's kind of like saying a pastor's pastor, right? Somebody that just embodies what a pastor should be more than most. He's saying, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. So you have to process what Paul's saying here. He's saying, look, when it comes to being a Jew, an Israelite, a Hebrew, the chosen people of God, I was the picture of what Jews expect. I was the picture of what an Israelite should be. I was a Pharisee, which is the highest order of of teacher, uh, pastor back in the day, studied under Gamaliel, one of the most respected uh, rabbis of the time. Paul undoubtedly had the entire Old Testament memorized and and could probably out-teach most people, Um, followed not only the Mosaic law to the T, but the additional 613 laws that the Pharisees and the chief priests had invented, he followed those immaculately and says, look, I was even so zealous for God that I persecuted this church of this heretic Jesus, this, this guy who claimed to be God in the flesh. I was 
I was so zealous that I persecuted his followers, which tells you that what Paul is dealing with here in Philippians 3 is a bunch of Jews, uh, Hebrews, Israelites, who are going after the Christian church. At this point, Paul, writing in Philippians, is a Christian. He is a follower of Christ at this point. Wasn't always the case. And what he's doing here is, is really writing to the Christian church in Philippi, who's being tempted to leave the Christian faith and believe that salvation comes by grace through faith only and in return to thinking that they have to obey laws in order to be saved, Paul's saying, look, if that's what did it, I would still be a Jew. I'd still be a Pharisee. But I'm here to tell you, as one who knows more and has done more than any of the liars talking to you right now, that is not how salvation comes. Which is why he says in verse 7, whatever gain I had, as a Pharisee, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Now you have to notice here, before we get into the background of Paul, he's saying whatever gain I had, whatever benefits I had from what I did, I count all of my accomplishments as rubbish for the sake not of doing but of knowing knowing jesus everything i've done is worthless compared to the relationship i have with him because he is king well everything he does comes through him right yeah certainly at this point in his life paul has realized that i can do nothing for god I've tried it. I've done it. If there was anything that could be done by humans to earn salvation, Paul says, try me. I win. Which is incredible because as we look at the Apostle Paul and we talk more about, as we started looking at last episode, what it means to, a, to be a disciple, that's really what Paul is talking about, what it means to be a Christian. Paul is asking the Philippian church to consider who he once was. And who he is now, not for the sake of glorifying Paul, but for the sake of better knowing and glorifying Christ, their Lord. So who was Paul before he was Paul? Well, he was a man named Saul, kind of like with Peter that was renamed Jacob in the Old Testament, who was renamed when Christ comes to people and redeems them, reveals himself to them, he gives them and gives us all a new identity in himself. And if we go back to Acts chapter 7, we're going to start looking in verse 58, but let me set the picture for you. Acts is the story of the beginning of the church, mm -hmm. the Christian church. And it starts with Pentecost and <clears throat> the Holy Spirit coming to the disciples and believers gathering together in, in Acts chapter 2. And as soon as they are a church, they are met with fierce persecution. And the leader of that persecution is the Pharisee Saul. This is the same order of Pharisees, along with the Sadducees and chief priests, that lied and manipulated to get Jesus crucified. And they were convinced that if we bury this man... That'll be the end of it. And they were beside themselves when after Jesus died and the tomb was empty three days later, all of a sudden his followers come back with a veracity that, that they can't understand and explain and their numbers are increasing faster than ever. 
And Paul takes it upon himself, at this point he's Saul, to end this whole Christian heresy. And in Acts chapter 7, uh, we're introduced to Stephen, uh, who was chosen by the church to head up certain functions of the Christian community. And he was uh, a man who was definitely filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And one thing led to another, and Stephen stood up in front of the opposition, which at this point was the Jews, the Pharisees, all of them, and started preaching the gospel. And he preached it in a very bold and direct way. And the result was they wanted to kill him. And it says in verse 58, they cast him out of the city and stoned Stephen. Stephen is the first martyr of the Christian church. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, the whole garment thing is essentially testimony, witness. I'm taking off my my garments. I'm laying down who I am and what I have and saying that this man, Stephen, is worthy of being stoned. Saul, the fact that he's the one overseeing this execution, clearly points out his high position and authority as a Pharisee. And so that's our first introduction to the Apostle Paul, is when he was the Pharisee Saul. And that's what Paul's referencing in Philippians 3 when he says, I was was so zealous for God that I persecuted this church. Mm -hmm. And Paul wouldn't stop there. If you go to Acts chapter 9, Saul, the Pharisee, uh, continues his rampage. And it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, which meant Christians, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So Jesus took away his sight right then and there? Yep. Which should tell us a whole heck of a lot about this whole discipleship, apostleship process and what it means to come to actually see the truth. Because you have to remember who this Apostle Paul was. He wholeheartedly, to the point of murder, believed that he knew the truth. And by the way, you can't forget that Jesus said this was coming. He says, there will come a day, he told his disciples, when people think they were glorifying God by killing you. That's the Pharisee Saul. And maybe we'll get to it, but taking his side away, was that to regain a new vision? Exactly. Couldn't say it better myself. You're not going to see truly who Jesus is until you are blinded to the way you think is right, until you are blinded to yourself, your own righteousness, what you think you're going to do for the Lord. That's what Paul is saying back in Philippians 3. 
I thought I had it all figured out. So much so that my confidence and pride led me to kill people. And yet Jesus came to me, not because I have done anything. Everything I was doing was wrong. And he opened my eyes first by blinding me to my way of life. I can't see Jesus while still looking at myself. And coming off of last episode talking about discipleship, that's what it means, is to keep your eyes focused, or as a book of Hebrew says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, mm-hmm. the author and perfecter of our faith. So this is where the Lord, and we talked about this in last episode, yes, for most of us, discipleship is a process. The word comes to us. It starts to lay little seeds, right? The parable of the sower, it starts to sprout. Jesus tends to those and grows our faith and, and, and calls us to himself. Paul, on the other hand, didn't have that story. He was, he was an instant conversion, you could say, an instant face-to-face with the Lord. Well, and I, th- I feel like, uh, I mean, none of us sitting at this table were, our sight wasn't taken away by the Lord. Well, as far as I know, that's because most of us here weren't going out and slaying other humans, <laughs> thinking we were serving God by doing it. Yeah, he, he, he had a much more aggressive interaction you know, uh, when you were telling that story and you were reading about how he was headed in into this to the city, there, you know, it's like in my head I was thinking, man, he instantly recalculated his GPS. <laughs> yeah, yeah or he had it re- recalculated for him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Well, and all the all the work, all the glory for that instant transformation is is God's, and we didn't get to this verse in Philippians three, but Philippians. Philippians 3, uh, the end of verse 12 says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Mm -hmm. So right then and there, he made him who would be Paul, the apostle. Yeah, the revelation to Paul of who Jesus is was instant. But that doesn't mean that Paul's faith was complete yet, right? right? There's still a process. And we read that as we keep going through Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus. So there was a disciple in this city to which Paul was going to kill them. (laughs) And his name was Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man named Saul, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So essentially Ananias is saying, yeah, I've heard of this guy you want me to go to. He's ruthless. Are you sure you want me to go to this man? He probably, he might have been bringing up in his mind uh, Moses when he was asked to go before Pharaoh. Yeah. It's about the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you sure, Lord? Uh-huh. And if Ananias was a believer at this point, yeah, he was a disciple. Yeah, it's strange that he would question it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, well, I if think he was if, told if, to go. If we were honest. If somebody asked you to go share the gospel with somebody that was a mass murderer, 
you would that that'd give you a little bit of pause. I think it's very human for Ananias. He didn't say no, right? Ananias didn't say no. He simply said, Lord, this guy? And the Lord answers him in verse 15, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, which just the hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles, the fact that Jesus says, He's the one I'm choosing. This Pharisee who hates Gentiles, who loves Israelites, he's my chosen one to bring my name before both, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Which just sounds like a wonderful invitation, doesn't it? Sure does. <laughs> But if you go back to Philippians 3, in verse 8, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. So Paul, years later, looking back on his former life as Saul, being told how much he should suffer for this Christ whom he persecuted by making Christians suffer, is looking back on that and is saying, boy, did I have that all backwards. How much was Paul persecuting and making others suffer because he probably viewed suffering as the antithesis of God's love. Mm -hmm. He looked at a Roman cross with a mangled man on it and said, that's the Savior? No way. That's heresy. We need to snuff this out. And Jesus comes along and says, no, you're not going to really see me until you're blind. You're not going to know what it means to live until you suffer for my name. Suffer the loss of yourself. Paul's really not talking about the suffering of his body, the persecution. He's talking about the suffering of knowing. I've spent my whole life thinking that I'm going to find salvation through what I do. And I've lost all of that. I've suffered the loss of everything. But you know what? What Christ has put in its place, <laughs> I'd give it all up three times over for the joy of knowing Jesus. And having a relationship with him. It seems like a much easier route than his first one. Well, we could all say that, right? I mean, I have that story. I, yeah. I mean, I should have been not on this planet many times over. And, and all of us have sought satisfaction, even the satisfaction of salvation, through what we think we're going to do for God. Our righteousness, how good we are, or very much a pharisaical mindset, at least I'm not as bad as the Gentiles. I may be a bad person, but at least I'm not as bad as them. I mean, pick your hot-button topic for Christians today. There's a lot of things going on in this world that shouldn't be happening. Abortion, homosexuality, gender confusion, you name it. Yes, those things are wrong, but the wrong response to that is, is to view yourself somehow as more deserving of salvation than them. Right. No, this is what the Lord meant when he told Paul, I'm going to show you how much you should suffer. He sent the Pharisee 
into Gentile lands who ended up defending them and saying, no, they don't need to be circumcised like I was, like I used to insist on. Salvation comes by grace through faith alone. That doesn't mean that God approves of sin. It means that God doesn't require anything of us to be saved except to repent. And when we see who Jesus is, like Paul, after we have been blinded to our own selves, the rest will follow. The message is grace first. Well, and that we would always remember as Christians that Jesus died for everyone. And, and I think that's what Paul learned. He went from persecuting and trying to insist on truth with a sword to being blinded to his former way of thinking and realizing, no, the, the truth is truth, period. And the truth is, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Well, and I think it's a powerful testimony. Uh, often when we hear stories of somebody that uh, shares a lot in common perhaps with Saul, mm-hmm. and when God calls them and gets a hold of their hearts and minds and spirit, and he turns them around, that, that is a, that's a much more powerful testimony perhaps to some folks uh, of the, the power of the gospel mm-hmm. than somebody that you know, was born into a Christian family that grew up you know, surrounded by it a lot of time. You know? So it's just the, the magnitude of what God could do with this person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that should be a, a huge comfort for us, you know, for us that aren't actively going out and you know, persecuting. <laughs> yeah, and, and even those that have known nothing but Christianity from birth, there's still an equally powerful testimony from them, right? Sure. Um, to, to say that, gosh, I, I mean, Jason, you've said it before, like, boy, I, I, why did it take so long, right? And you, and you have all this made up. You look at, at someone who apparently knows all of this stuff, but hopefully if you have grown up in the Christian faith, your message is, yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm less of a sinner, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm more worthy of this. It just means I've I've been forgiven more times. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that same forgiveness is yours. And quite frankly, when it happens in your life here or how it happens here is irrelevant to the fact that whether you're the thief on the cross or whether you know it from the day you were born, look, the goal's the same. We want to be with Jesus when we die. The the rest of this Will, will fade away very, very, very quickly. So we see this lesson Paul learned really summed up uh, in one of probably his most famous epistles, Romans, and maybe one of the most famous chapters in Romans, chapter 3, mm-hmm. uh, beginning in verse 21, where this self-righteous Pharisee, blinded to himself by Jesus and having his eyes opened to the gospel, says... But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.